Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, here at the growing platform of FreightCast from FreightWaves. Drilling Deep is the place where we talk about oil and diesel because those things don't exist unless somebody drills for them. We also talk about whatever else we decide to talk about. Today, we've got Todd Amen of ATBS. Todd and his firm have been doing truck driver tax returns, and he's here to talk about just how well everybody did in 2020. Who would have thunk it? Diesel, let's talk about that. Diesel was up for the 19th consecutive week this week in the DOE EIA weekly retail price, average price. That is the basis for most fuel charges. I'm sitting here recording this, and I'm going to go out on a not very big limb here and predict that we will not see the 20th consecutive week of increases next week. The first few days of this week saw wholesale numbers and commodity prices trend down pretty sharply, and it looks like our record-breaking run is going to come to an end. But the increase in the price of diesel and gasoline, of course, has set the social media world abuzz when you lay it up against the fact that a good chunk of this run took place after Joe Biden became president and virtually all of it took place since Election Day. It's all Biden's fault. That's the war cry. So let me review a few things because I've been to many rodeos when oil prices go up and the blame that politicians get stuck with them for increases that, quite frankly, they usually have almost nothing to do with. The oil market, the world oil market, and that's really what matters. You can't really separate it out by country. The world market is a 100 million barrel per day beast, and the president of the United States' power over it is limited. It's limited to non-existent, though I will have to say that the shock of Donald Trump's angry tweets in maybe the first couple of years of his presidency, when he would tweet bad things or angry things at OPEC, did have far more bearish impact than I think any market pros would have anticipated. The price did go down, maybe not forever, it didn't last, but it did go down when he would unleash some of his tweets. So let's look at the Biden impact. And I'll say a few things here that are likely to make both sides of the political aisle both angry and happy. First, the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline has had zero impact on the price of oil. First of all, there is a Keystone line that is in operation that was not affected by what Joe Biden did. The Keystone XL was an unfinished project. It was not carrying oil. Its cancellation has not impacted the supply of oil one drop. That doesn't mean it was a good decision. I certainly don't think it was, but it was not part of a, it was not a contributing factor to the current increase in the price of oil. A second reason that gets cited is the suspension of new leasing for drilling on federal lands. Leasing is the process by which companies bid for the right to drill federal property, whether it's onshore or offshore in a place like the Gulf of Mexico. So the suspension does not impact current supplies. It presumably should impact future supplies. That's sort of the whole point of why the Biden administration did what it did. But here's the thing. People do not like high gasoline prices. They will take their anger out at politicians sometimes if the price of gasoline is getting uncomfortably high. If you don't believe me, ask Jimmy Carter. When he ran for re-election in 1980, there were plenty of issues that he had to deal with. But at that point, the price of gasoline and heating oil was at its all-time high, both outright and adjusted for inflation. He paid for it on Election Day. Let me cite another instance that gets less publicity, but I think is still important. Oil prices hit their all-time inflation-adjusted low in early 1999. By the summer of 2000, they were getting high, and it was becoming an issue in the presidential race. Bill Clinton was not running for re-election, of course, but his vice president, Al Gore, was. So in September of that year, President Clinton announced the release of 30 million barrels of crude 
from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He declared that the move was not politically motivated. Absolutely nobody believed him. The fact is that crude prices were about 20% lower on Election Day than they were when Clinton made the announcement. Gore lost anyway, at least in the Electoral College. Did the release of crude help him? We'll never know. But you can see where a president took an overtly political act to put more oil supply onto the market just to help a certain political candidate that he thought was going to get impacted by that high price. So let me just say this about Joe Biden and the cause of the increase in oil prices. No, he didn't cause it. But by canceling Keystone XL and by canceling new leases in his first week of office, he's making his case. He's going to be the anti-petroleum president. Okay, at least he's clear. How far does he go with this? Does he ban fracking on federal lands and devastate the state budget of New Mexico? Does he seek to engage in the litigation surrounding the Dakota Access Pipeline, which unlike Keystone XL is actually a working pipeline and does face shutdown? A shutdown would create real havoc in the market. Once you've willingly taken steps to be the anti-oil president, you own it. And if the price of gasoline rises to level levels where people start screaming, President Biden will be the face of anti-oil. It won't be like people blaming Jimmy Carter. This was where a president openly declared opposition to growth in oil infrastructure and drilling where he could, and the price of oil rose. He is not going to be able to separate out those two things. You know, back during earlier oil crises, going all the way back to the 70s, the argument could be made that, well, you know, the world is running out of oil and we need to move on to something different. I would not have agreed with that, but that argument did at least have some degree of plausibility. That argument absolutely cannot be made the next time around. The argument is going to have to be, you could have had this oil, but we chose not to give it to you. And that is not going to go over well. So Joe Biden didn't cause the current spike. And even if the market continues to rise, his contributions to the increase will be minimal. But he's the president of the United States. He has engaged in at least a mini war with oil, and he's going to have to own that. Academic arguments that he didn't cause any upcoming spike will be countered with all his anti-oil steps. As I said, he's going to own that whether he wants to or not. We're going to continue on here on Drilling Deep. It's tax time, as we all know, for everybody and for truck drivers as well. It's a great indication of just how well or how, or how poorly truck drivers did in 2020. When you look at the tax numbers, 2020 was certainly a crazy year with some very high highs and some really low lows. Nobody knows better what is in that data on income being reported to the IRS than Todd Amen. He is the president of ATBS. They process, well, they do a lot more than processing tax returns. They are the financial consultant and advisor to many, many truck drivers. He joined us here on Drilling Deep about a year ago to talk about what he was seeing for 2019 tax returns. And he's back with us about 12 months later to talk about his views of 2020. So, Todd, first thing since uh, we last spoke, uh, the, the date has been pushed to May 15th. So all those drivers out there have another four weeks, correct? John, thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't think it's been officially declared by the IRS, but uh, they're debating between a date in May, like 15th, which is a Saturday and the 17th. But uh, I think it's pretty much a certainty that we've got an extra month to do tax returns, which is welcome for a lot of people. I'm sure, including my wife who worked for an accounting firm. But anyway, so let's recap the year. It was a crazy start. Um, it was a pretty good March, a terrible April into May. And then the second half of the year was awesome, really, by any standards. 
So let's not compare 2020 to 2019 uh, because we know 2020 is a lot better than 2019. How is 2020 compared to 2018, which was a great freight year? Yeah, you know, the good news is, John, when we look at our clients' net income, uh, 2018, by most historical records, was the best year in trucking. The average owner-operator you know, had record net income that we worked with, just a little over $65,000. But when we look at 2020 and the numbers that you know we've put together, the average owner-operator made $67,750 in 2020. So, you know, they gained... Uh, $2,500 over the best year in trucking last year, which is really hard to imagine based on what a crazy year we had last year. What are some of the biggest numbers you see? I mean, the ones who really, really did well, maybe, uh, you know, there's only so many hours you can run, but maybe they're in a specialty of a hazmat or something like that. What are some of the top earners pulling in? Well, it's really hard to believe, John, but we actually see drivers that are in super specialized. So you're, you're talking about double drop, drop deck, type trailers and things like that. We saw people making over $400,000 net income last year. Wow. Um, yeah, just, you know, but we saw averages in some segments of over $100,000, six figures net income for owner operators. You know, it was just a really extraordinary year. So who was, what are some of the other good segments that are not maybe insane, like $400,000, but are maybe hitting six figures? You know, for sure, it's the people that kind of have real niche, real specialized operations. So you could pull out parts of refrigerated parts of driving and not just the mainstream over the road stuff, but, you know, kind of niche, kind of dedicated, those kinds of things. The drivers that were willing to run last year, um, you know, they could make a ton of money because a lot of people set the year out. So capacity was limited and uh, shippers were desperate for people to all freight. And, and in some cases, they were willing to pay anything to do it. Let's talk about the bad side. There were some people in some areas that certainly suffered. Obviously, anybody down in the oil patch had a tough time for most of the year. If you were hauling autos, that industry basically shut down. Or if you were driving parts to auto factories, which were shut down, that was a tough year. Uh, did they just get hit or were they able to pivot into something else? You know, I remember really kind of March through early May, we were working with a lot of the companies that were in those industries that had owner operators driving for them. And we were helping them get PPP loans and, you know, just trying to get a lifeline to survive because we had no idea how long this was going to last. I'd say the oil segment probably has had a longer downturn than any because oil prices, you know, just stayed low all year, starting to recover a bit, but that's for sure was long-term tough. Uh, autos recovered extraordinarily quickly. It was crazy what happened to used car prices and, uh, new cars and, you know, those started moving midsummer all the way through the end of the year. The last mile delivery kind of home delivery owner operators, uh, they for sure struggled because they couldn't go in houses, right? And like April, May into June. And then once they could start delivering appliances and those things again, that business got better. So by and large, most segments recovered really, really well. Now, the PPP loans, <coughs> excuse me, that are out there, are they in those numbers? Uh, the PPP loans, our average client last year got about a $10,000 PPP loan, the ones that applied for PPP loans. And uh, they're not included in those net income numbers. So when I say the average driver netted 67750 last year, uh, you could throw another $10,000 on top of that for a driver that got a PPP loan. So that's actually 77000 but that's non-taxable. Uh, those loans should be forgiven if the driver did everything correctly. And apply the money correctly. So it's not in those net income numbers I quoted. 
Are you seeing a lot of drivers go into round two or we'll call it the 2021 round for PPP or were they doing too well? There's that 25% you have to show that you didn't, that you had a, a period, say a quarter that was down 25% year over year. I think the fear out there was that a lot of truck drivers were not going to be able to show that, but are you seeing a lot of your clients go in there for another round of PPP funding? You know, we, we did an analysis and we looked at, uh, most likely it was the second quarter. That was the toughest last year. And so we looked at any client that had over 25% lower net income in second quarter 2019 versus, or 2020 versus 2019. And we're working with them to get PPP loans. But by and large, I guess I'd estimate that uh, we worked with about 2,500 drivers to get PPP loan applications in regular PPP last year for PPP2. We're in the three to 400 driver ballpark, so significantly less, 10 to 20% of what we saw initially. Yeah, I know I know. my church got money last year, and we tried to go in for a second round, but our, our givers were too good to us, so we couldn't show the 25% <laughs> drop. So it happens yeah. in the truck cab, and it happens in the, the church pews. But uh, yeah, no are there kidding. any significant... Any significant changes in tax law that are affecting drivers this year, or is the 2020 taxes are the 2020 taxes being filed under mostly the same kind of rules as 2019? You know, there was so much last year with all the stimulus money that came out and different changes. There just were a lot of things. I would say there's nothing huge, like uh, you know, here's the windfall I'm going to get. Uh, for sure, it was the stimulus money, the IDA loans, the PPP loans, but they did little things like. Uh, you could now take a $300 charitable deduction that you couldn't take before. Uh, they allowed you to take money out of your retirement account and not pay the 10% early withdrawal fee. Uh, you know, a lot of, I guess, littler things like that and really too many to, we could be here all day talking about it. We have a, we put out about three weeks ago, a really good ebook at atbs.com. It's 22 pages and it kind of details all the specifics that relate specifically to owner operators around tax changes for last year. And of course, there's more that just happened, you know, this week with the American uh, Recovery Act that, uh, you know, there's new changes almost every day, it seems like with the government. So um, yeah, not, nothing huge, I guess, that we can just say, here's what you need to go do. Just a lot of little tweaks here and there. Bunch of stuff around childcare that just came out with this latest act and uh, being able to care for those kids that are, you know, at home and not going to school and all those kinds of things. You made reference earlier to the fact that the driver availability is tough. We all know that uh, this was the year, of course, or not this year, but last year was the first year of the clearinghouse. Plus, you had people who didn't want to stay uh, on the roads because of COVID-19. They might have some pre-existing conditions. Have you seen a lot of your clients just sort of disappear? You haven't really heard from them because they've, they've dropped out for one reason or another? You know, from our perspective, John, we work pretty much exclusively with owner operators. So they're entrepreneurial, self-employed business people. They don't have the luxury of uh, sitting on unemployment for a long time and those kinds of things. So we certainly had people, especially if they had a paid off truck that took some time off when the pandemic was really scary last year. But by and large, our client base is back trucking as hard as they ever were. I really think capacity wise, it's a lot of those company drivers that, you know, uh, either got laid off or uh, the coronavirus, you know, kind of put them out of business for a little bit last summer. And uh, so we've had extended unemployment benefits that are keeping a lot of those people out of the job market. So do you do, do you have any company drivers among your clients? We do, I'm going to say 500 company driver tax returns, but not a lot. Um, we don't really, their returns are so simple these days because they increase the 
standard deduction uh, and they eliminated per diem for company drivers. So most of them can get a tax turn done on a 1040 EZ form online. So we don't well, do how, a lot. Now, how they do during the year? Uh, you know, they did good. I mean, for anybody that wanted to run last year, gosh, uh, you know, second quarter was tough, right? But after that, if you wanted to run, uh, there were pay increases, there were sign-on bonuses, the back half of the year was just really lucrative for truck drivers. Um, things turned around dramatically and, and got really good for all of them. I'm going to put you on the spot here. If the hours of service, let's say the ELD mandate was not there and people were still using logs and they had this great big buffet of opportunity to them in the second half of 2020, do you think those numbers would have been higher? Well, there's no doubt, right? I mean, people always push the limits. But what's really, really interesting is in our data, which we've tracked for close to 20 years, typically when the market is really good, we see our clients run less miles, which is kind of counterintuitive, right? When there's opportunity, people usually work harder and make more money. What happens with owner operators traditionally is rates go up, my net income goes up, I get more choosy on my loads, I don't want to run to the places I don't want to run. I don't want to drive into Colorado last year or last week when there was a snowstorm. And so miles actually go down during good times for owner operators. We saw the reverse of that in the back half of last year. We saw owner operator miles actually increase 4% last year, and I would have expected them to be down. So I don't know, man. I It's hard to predict uh, how people are going to react to certain situations. But yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the ELD mandate by and large in trucking, uh, reduced miles for our industry and and put a lid on capacity. So if that was not there, uh, overall trucking would have run more miles last year. Well, one thing I know you've, you've said in other forums, you said you you felt that they were able to do more miles because for part of the year, there was a lot less traffic on the road. So that was a factor that you've probably never seen before. No. And, you know, gosh, what joy and peace it brought to truck drivers to not have to sit in three hour traffic in Atlanta or L.A. or even on a you know highway through the Midwest when you have stop and go traffic jams and things like that. Um, it helped in so many ways. It helped productivity. It helped run more miles. It helped get better fuel economy. Um, yeah, I, I know truck drivers are sad that people are coming out of their houses and going back into the world. Yeah, it really was a perfect world because. Everybody thought that deliveries of stuff would drop too, but deliveries of stuff did not drop. Deliveries of cars ultimately rebounded and the roads were clear. I mean, this really was a Nirvana situation in 2020. I mean, I don't want to downplay the uh, the challenges they faced on the road from being out in the world with this raging disease, uh, but there were certainly some things that really made it good for, for truck drivers. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have predicted it, you know, um, when people stop spending on air travel and vacations and going out to dinner and cruise ships and those kinds of things, they turned all that money towards where they were, you know, quarantined in their home. Right. And they just started buying a lot of stuff. And uh, for truckers, that's great. When people buy a lot of stuff, truckers move it. So yeah, what a, nobody would have predicted it, but it turned out good in the end for truckers. Thank God. Are you in a position to see whether a lot of drivers doing as well as they did invested in equipment maybe bought not necessarily a new truck, but, uh, you know, a, a used truck of a fairly late vintage model, like a, a 2017. Did they take that opportunity? I think there was some of that for sure. You know, if you follow the used truck market, we saw it was terrible in the second quarter. Uh, sales plummeted. People stopped buying. Prices came way down. And then all of a sudden, it's a little bit like the used car market. All of a sudden, things went crazy and used truck inventories went down and prices shot up. So definitely 
I mean, you see the class eight new truck order board, um, people are buying new equipment and upgrading and uh, we're certainly in that cycle right now. Um, what, uh, what do the, the first couple of months of 2021 look like for you? You, you, you do more than their taxes, you do their books too. So presumably you've seen some data on how things are going out there. And I know certainly our data shows things are still roaring right along. Is that what your data is showing also? Yeah, things are still really, really good. Um, you know, it boils down to how much you want to work uh, truck drivers right now. I, I guess the million dollar question for everybody is when we're in times like this, everybody wants to add capacity. Um, everybody wants to get their own authority, run the load boards. And in many cases, we create that capacity really quickly, but it's not happening right now for a lot of different reasons. And uh, so if we keep a lid on capacity and there's still strong demand, things are great for the drivers that are out there. And yeah, January, February have been off to a really good start. Well, then are you seeing more? I'm not trying. I'm trying to figure out how to interpret what you just said. Are you seeing more people knocking on your door saying, you know, I, I used to be a company driver. Now I'm independent. I know you you guys at ATBS are really good at uh, being a financial advisor for that. Are you seeing brand new independent owner operators showing up? We are seeing that um, a market like this attracts people into where they can make more money. So if I'm a company driver and I can make forty five, fifty thousand dollars, maybe even fifty five, but I'm looking at owner operators making sixty seven thousand on average and some of them are making a hundred thousand plus, of course I'm attracted to want to do that. And I'm gonna go to the used truck lot and get my own truck. I'm gonna look for a lease purchase program. The trouble is fleets are not backfilling those trucks. If people have left company driver trucks, they just can't find company drivers right now. I think, you know, unemployment and these checks we keep getting from the government, right? Fourteen hundred dollar checks are going out to a lot of people this week with the new stimulus. And people are sitting on that money and uh, not working. Um, so they can't attract company drivers into the business. That plus a lot of other things last year, right? We had truck driving schools shut down during the pandemic. And as you mentioned, we had the drug clearinghouse. So just for a lot of reasons, we have a limit on the number of people driving trucks and we can't seem to increase it. Yeah. Anytime I get into a conversation like this, the idea, the not the idea, but um, the fact that the truck driver, the truck driving schools were closed always comes up in the conversation like, oh, yeah, moment, you know, that I think has had a really significant impact. Would you agree? Yeah, I do. I agree. It was, you know, a few things combined in the first half of the year. We just stopped the pipeline of truck drivers and, uh, and it's taking a long time to rebuild that. Unlike previous really good truck cycles where within 12 months we've added 50, 100,000 new trucks and drivers into the industry. And now we got too many trucks and, you know, the rates go back right to where they were. That's not happening right now. So let's uh, suggest for a second that we're talking a year from now and we're talking about 2021. Do you think the numbers on 2021 income are going to exceed those of 2020? John, I have been, our company has always been really good at predicting the year and telling owner operators what they can expect. And, uh, I kind of started losing my way last summer. Uh, I just don't have a feel anymore. And that's maybe it's partly I'm getting old, but it's partly the dynamics have changed. Um, and I think so much of it has to do with government stimulus programs in so many different ways. When you pump, you know, trillions of dollars, six, eight trillion dollars in an economy in different ways and how long that lasts. You know, the way we sit today, I just literally was listening to Fed Chairman Powell, who talked about leaving interest rates really low and we'll do whatever it takes to support the economy. We don't expect inflation to pick up. So by all means, it looks like the government's full steam ahead and doing the things they're doing. So they've really put a false floor 
in place that is in theory going to keep things really good. But all it takes is for inflation to tick up because of all this money we put in the economy and people stop buying because things get too expensive and the shipment of goods slows down a lot. So you asked me a big question. I wish I had the answer sitting here today, being a betting guy, I'd say we'll, we'll have had a better year this year than we did last year because things look really good right now, but gosh, who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, you're coming off a year like no other with more factors than you could possibly imagine. Everything was turned on its head. We thought we were going to have a miserable economy in the second half of the year. And we really did. I mean, in some cases, we had a very miserable economy, depending on what you did for a living. Others, it wasn't all that bad. And so, yeah, if you were having a little trouble projecting, uh, that, that's that's no shame, <laughs> that's for sure. So we want to thank Todd Amen for joining we tried. us. It's just not easy. He's the president of ATBS, and he's been talking to us about how truck drivers did in 2020 based on the tax returns and the books he's seen. You have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freightways. You can find us on all of the major podcast platforms. I'm your host, John Kingston. Please join us again. <laughs>